0: morning turn those clocks forward right spring has sprung maybe <laughs> question is did you spring out of bed this morning it's like <laughs> I had a little tougher time with that so good to see everybody that's here this morning and especially those who are visiting with us glad you're uh, here with us Gerald thank you for your comments at the table I think you went back there uh, that leads certainly into our Uh, lesson this morning. I'll go ahead and bring up that uh, title, the wedding feast, and then the story behind the story, because you really have to understand that backstory to what goes on there in chapter 22 of Matthew, to really appreciate that parable that Jesus tells. So in Matthew chapter 22, 1 through 14, we read that this morning. That's that wedding feast, and the king is uh, uh, planning that wedding feast for his son. It's a a parable that is told by Jesus in the hearing of many, but that parable is really directed towards the religious leaders. And it's the last week of Jesus' life, the last week of his ministry, and there's a story behind this story that Jesus tells, this parable. And by rejecting Jesus, they're actually rejecting God. And their rejection is illustrated by rejection of, of authority, because that question will be asked of Jesus back in chapter 21, and we'll notice that, but we'll put just a little bit of a twist on that so that we understand exactly what is being said there and what Jesus is saying to them on that particular occasion. So I'm just going to head and jump right into, we're going to take a look at three points. It's going to be the story, the story behind the story, and then we'll kind of wrap it up and look at that wedding feast uh, there at the end. So, the story. A king gives a wedding feast for his son. And the king sends out his slaves to call those who had been invited. In that day and time, there would be an invitation that would be extended. And then, as it got closer to the time, there would be a reminder that would be sent out. And so the king does this. He plans for this wedding feast and he sends out these invitations. And the guests ignore the invitation. Now I want you to stop and pause, think about that for just a second. This is the king <laughs> sending out invitations. And you ignore the invitation from the king? That is a huge insult to the king. But this king, verse 4 indicates, he's very patient. <laughs> and so he reaches out to them again And he tells them about all the wonderful things that he has planned for them. It's almost like (laughs) to instigate this acceptance that they might come. But still, they refuse. And they seize the slaves and they kill them. Now, (laughs) the king is enraged. And he sends an army. And he destroys those who have rejected him. And he burns their city. And now he sends out more slaves. And he goes out in the highways, the byways. And he goes, you extend this invitation. I want the wedding hall to be filled. And so they do that. And then on that day, the king comes to look over who all is there. And he sees one that is not properly dressed. And the king asks him, friend... How did you get in here? And verse 12 says the man is speechless. He doesn't have an answer. So the king orders the man to be thrown out. And there is weeping and there is gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus concludes in verse 14, he says, Many are called, but fewer chosen. Isn't that kind of an interesting story? A king is having a wedding feast for his son. And there are those who would reject that. And they just go about their business and they ignore him, pay no attention. And then the king sort of pleads with them and still yet they're not motivated to come. And then they take those servants and they kill them. Now you've upset the king. And so he sends out his army and he destroys those. Then he burns their city. And he sends out more invitations. And finally they come. But there's an individual that comes, but he won't put on the proper attire. And so Jesus says that he has to be thrown out. Interesting story. People are invited and that sounds good. And we would think they would be anxious. I got an invitation to the king's son's wedding. Look, everybody, I'm invited. And they'd be excited. But instead, they're just busy. I don't have time to go to that wedding feast. And that's not good. So he tries to remind them. And so they decide to then kill those who bring that reminder. But stop and think about this for just a second. The king had a plan. He's planning a wedding feast for his son. According to the plan, he sends out invitations. They should have accepted, but they rejected. And so he appeals to them. And still he's rejected. And now it's almost like they're bothered by those who have brought the invitations. They seize them and they kill them. And now the king has extended invitation. He has also appealed. And you kill the ones that he sent? So think. The king had a plan. They rejected the plan. Let me ask you this question. Did the king's plan stop? That didn't stop the king's plan. The king is sticking with his plan. The plan is to have a wedding feast for my son. I'm going to have a wedding feast for my son. You may have rejected it. You missed it. So I'm going to extend the invitation to others who will come. But when they come, They must also be properly attired. This is all according to the king's plan. Can we see that? And he had that plan from the beginning. And they weren't going to stop his plan. Those who don't accept or those who don't come properly attired They just miss out. (laughs) Now, that's the story. Now I want you to see the bookends to this story. Because this is the last week of Jesus' life. He has come into Jerusalem. The religious leaders have essentially already rejected Him. But Jesus... Is not giving up. So he tells this story. It's an appeal to them. He's trying to get them to see. What is actually taking place here. So notice the bookends to this story. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 45. Now when the chief priests and the Pharisees. Heard his parables. They perceived that he was speaking. About them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Keep that in mind. Jesus is telling these parables, and they're starting to pick up on, He's talking about us. <laughs> and in this story, you would think, if he's talking about us, hey, we don't want to miss the celebration. So maybe we ought to give consideration to what he's saying. But instead of doing that, notice what happens in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 15. This is at the very conclusion of this parable. In verse 15, then the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Instead of that turning them, they say... Let's just plot against it. And so that's what they decide to do. So now the story behind the story. Now oftentimes whenever we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we sometimes read them as individual accounts. And that's okay, but we need to keep in mind that we should take them collectively. Because as you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, They're all telling the story of Jesus kind of from different perspectives for a different reason. And so when Matthew tells his gospel, Matthew has a Jewish mindset. He's appealing to the Jewish people. The intent of Matthew's gospel is to persuade them, the long-awaited king, the one you've been waiting for for all these many, many years, that king has now come. That's Matthew's approach. I want to convince you as Jewish people that your Messiah has now come. Mark, on the other hand, he's appealing to a Roman mindset. And the Romans understood, you serve. And so Jesus is the perfect servant. Luke, on the other hand, is a Gentile and he writes with a Gentile mindset. And Jesus is portrayed as that perfect servant. Man, this is the way God would have man to live. John writes with the idea, this is God come in the flesh. And so you put all those together. And you have a more complete picture of Jesus. But now then we focus in on Matthew. Because this story, the wedding feast, is a part of Matthew's gospel. The message, your king, has come. I want you to keep in mind, as we give consideration to Matthew's gospel, it's oftentimes said that Matthew's style is didactic. What that just simply means is Matthew places his information in sort of clumps, in groups. And he gives you this information in clumps in groups so that he can make a point from this for instance chapters 1 through 4 the king has come this is according to jewish heritage jewish lineage lineage so that he can prove that this jesus is the messiah In chapters 5 through 6, here is the moral standards. Here's the righteousness of the king. Matthew 8 and 9, here's the miracles that he performed. If we fast forward a little bit, Matthew chapter 13, here's the parables about the kingdom that he taught. But now then, in the latter part of Matthew, here's the rejection. I've tried to convince you the king has come. I've given you this information so that you consider him as the king. And then in the latter part of Matthew, here's the information about how you, his people, are rejecting him. So it's presentation, it's consideration. And then it's rejection. That's the section that we're in. In Matthew's gospel where the king is being rejected. And he's showing us this process by how it's taking place. Now I want you to back up to Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21 at verse 23. It says, Now when he had come into the temple... The chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? That was the previous day. <laughs> when Jesus had done these things that they're talking about. The things that he that they're talking about. Jesus had come in the previous day. You recall that? He came into the temple. And there were the money changers there. And there were the tables and all those kind of things. And he turned them over and he drove them out. Recall that. But then he stayed there in the temple. And he performed those miracles. And then the next day he comes back. That's, That's what we're talking about right now. The next day. And so they confront him. And they say to him, By what authority do you do these things? Who gives you the right to come into the temple and to act like that and to drive these people out? And to teach the things you teach, do the things you do. Who gave you that authority? So, in verse 24 through verse 26, Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Where was it from? Was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. They come to Jesus. They say, but what authority do you do these things? Let me translate that. Because I really think we need to understand what they're saying to him, what they're asking him, and the way in which Jesus is going to respond to them. So let's reword it a little bit like this. Hey, You come in here and you turn over these tables and you drive these people out and you teach and you perform these miracles. We want you to explain to us where you fit in in God's plan. Can you tell us that? Where do you fit in? And so Jesus is like, that's a good question. So let me ask you a question about where people fit in. Let me ask you about John. Where does he fit in? Did he fit into God's plan? And they stopped and scratched their heads for a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) Now he wants to know what we think about John And where did John fit in to God's plan? Well, if we say that John was a part of God's plan, then he's going to ask us, why didn't we listen to John? But if we say, John wasn't really a part of God's plan then we fear the multitudes because they saw John as a prophet. In other words, translation, they saw John as part of God's plan. And we'll be rejecting God's plan. So you know what they say? We don't know. We don't know where John fit into God's plan. And so Jesus said, okay, so I won't tell you either where I fit in. You think Jesus is gonna leave it there? Jesus ain't gonna leave it there. <laughs> so I want to read this to you in verse 28 and 30 through 30. He says, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, Go work today in my vineyard. May ask you a question. Did the father have a plan? Yeah, he had a plan. I want you to go work in my vineyard. That's my plan. So he says, he comes to the first. And he said, "Son, go work today in my vineyard." And he answered and said, "I will not." But afterward, he regretted it, and he went. What's he saying? At first, this son says, I don't want to be a part of your plan. And then after he thought about it, he said, yeah, I do. I want to be a part of your plan. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go. I want to be a part of your plan. But afterwards, he did not go. I changed my mind. I don't really want to be a part of your plan. So then Jesus asked the question, Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, The first. The father had a plan. Two sons. He asked the first one, Will you go work today? He said, No. And then later he goes, Okay, I will go. And he goes to the second one. Will you you in my baby? I'll go. No, I changed my mind. Which one? They said the first. They first rejected and then they went ahead and did. And so they answered. They know which one. So now watch what happens in the next verse. Verse 31. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his own people, he's talking to the Jews. Verse 32. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards relent and believe him. What Jesus just say? Those two sons, you can identify that, can't you? And I'm telling you, John came. And you rejected John. But the tax collectors and the harlots, they listened to him. And they responded. And even after you saw them respond, you still didn't respond. So, in essence, by rejecting John, what Jesus is saying, you're rejecting God. You reject God's authority. But to put it in other words, you reject God's plan. John was a part of God's plan. And you rejected that. But the Gentiles? Because that's the way the Jews looked at the world. There was the Jews and there was the Gentiles. And what Jesus is saying is the Gentiles heard John preach and they turned. But when you, God's people, yourselves, heard John preach, you didn't turn. But back to those two sons. in times past they had rejected John or rejected God, hadn't they? Because that's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1 that knowing God, they did not like to retain knowledge of God. And they rejected him. And so when they rejected God, you know what God did? God rejected them. Does that sound anything like the marriage feast? So in Matthew 21, in about verse 33, Jesus also told them he wanted them to listen to another parable. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 33. Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard, and he set a hedge around it. He dug a winepress in it, and he built a tower, and he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. And again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will surely respect my son. But when the vinedressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. You hear that? You think the parable of the wedding feast is a little wacky? <laughs> Here's a king sending invitations and people rejecting him. How wacky is this one? Here's a landowner. He's the owner. He plants a vineyard. That's his plan that he might get produce that he might get fruit from it and then he rents it out to those vine dressers so that they might watch over it and so that when it comes time for produce he sends his servants there and what do they do they reject them and then they kill them and so he says well I'll send my son and surely they will respect him but what do they do they take the son and they kill him And here's the craziest part of all. What do they say after that? Once we kill him, the inheritance will be ours. So by killing the son, and now it becomes yours. What do you think Jesus is telling you? You kill the son, and the kingdom becomes yours? That's not the way it works. You see, what Paul does in Romans chapter 1 is he explains that God desired a relationship with everyone from the beginning. But men rejected Him. And when they rejected Him, Then he gave them over to their depraved minds. You reject God, he'll let you go your own way. But that doesn't mean that the world becomes yours. And so God had called Israel. And he made a covenant with them. I'll be your God and you be my people. And in Exodus, the 24th chapter, when when Moses brought the commandments before the people, they said, all that God has spoken, we will do. Does that sound like one of those two sons? (laughs) Will you go and work in my vineyard? Absolutely, that's what we want to do. We want to be a part of your plan. But afterwards, they rejected the plan. They didn't really want to be what God had called them to be. And in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, he explains, the other nations, when they see you, this is part of my plan. That they will look at you And they will say what a holy and righteous people and what a wise and understanding people you are. And what a marvelous God you have. But you didn't keep the plan. You didn't follow it. They rejected His authority over them. And when they rejected his authority over them, they were in essence rejecting his plan. This was the plan, how God was going to save mankind. And they were part of the plan. And down through the ages, he sent those servants to call him back. And what did they do with him? They took him and stoned him. They killed him. And now the sun. The sun has come. And the plan is to follow the Messiah. That's what Matthew's saying. That's his gospel appealing to this Jewish nation. Here's the presentation. Here's the consideration. And now Matthew records, here's the rejection. You're not following the plan. You did it before. You're doing it again. So that's the story behind the story. That's why they asked Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? Where do you fit into the plan? (laughs) And Jesus said, that's a good question. Let's talk about John. Did he fit into the plan? And the prophets had pointed to him, and they rejected him. And now they're rejecting the son. So, the story of the wedding feast. So in Matthew 22 verses 1 through 14, Jesus tells this parable. And in that day, a wedding celebration could last up to a week. It was a, it was a big event. It was one of the most joyous occasions in the Jewish life. And so in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 2, Jesus says, "The kingdom of heaven is like." A king who arranged a marriage for his son. The king had a plan. And he arranged this for his son. And so many are invited. But they refuse to come. But he's patient and he appeals to them. And then he sends more servants. And they are mistreated and they are killed and the king is angry and he sends his army and he destroys them and he burns their city and then he sends out invitations to all and the hall is filled and in verses 11 through 13 he comes he looks over the banquet and he sees one that is there and he's not dressed in wedding garments and that was another thing that was in that day the king provided everything And that if you were willing to come, you would also accept the garments that he gave you to wear to that to that celebration. But in verse 12, verse 12, it says, the king says, friend. How did you get in here? And so what Jesus is suggesting is just very simply this. If you refuse the invitation, that's an insult if you refuse to wear the garments he has provided now you are only partially submitting it's still an insult and so he orders that the man be thrown out and in verse 14 Jesus says many are called but few are chosen I want to read Matthew 21 45-46 again Keeping in mind, this is that last week. Jesus has entered this city. He knows it's the final week. But we also want to keep in mind, Jesus' desire is to save these people. And he's doing everything he can to turn these people. But in verse 45 of chapter 21, well, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was talking about them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Verse 15, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. You know what Matthew's saying? rejection is set. They've already made up their minds. And so they're going to plot against him. We take a look at these parables and it's easy to see that God is the king and the son that to be honored is Jesus. And you could see that Israel had been invited. And at one time they had accepted but they rejected. Then they rejected God's plan for them. And they had mistreated the prophets that had been sent to them. God was still appealing to them. Now in this parable of the wedding feast, when it says that the king sent his army and he destroyed them and he burned their city, there are a lot of commentators that look at that and say, That's exactly what happened in A.D. 70 because the Jews rejected Jesus and ultimately God allowed the Romans to come and they destroyed Jerusalem and they burned that city. God essentially brought an end to Judaism. But another thing we need to notice about this is when they refused to come and when they rejected his plan, it wasn't because they couldn't come and it wasn't because they couldn't participate. They rejected it and they refused to be a part of the plan because they didn't want to. (laughs) That was their choice. And the one without wedding garments? Essentially what Jesus is saying, if you want to enjoy this celebration, you can't rely on your own merits. You have to accept what the king has provided. Otherwise, it's an insult to the king. And that's why Jesus says that many are called but few are chosen. See, essentially what this parable tells us is this. Is that the king sends out an invitation. Ultimately sends that invitation out to everyone. If you accept that invitation, you come to the celebration. But if you accept that invitation... You also accept the garments that He provides so that you can be properly attired for that celebration. I want to read to you from Acts the 13th chapter because we've been studying the book of Acts and we'll be getting over to chapter 13 in a few weeks. And even this morning in Acts chapter 4 we start to see that stress between those who are preaching Jesus Christ and the Jews that want to hang on to that old way. Acts chapter 13, and verses 45 and 46. This is Paul and Barnabas. This is the first missionary journey. This is Antioch of Pisidia. They have gone into the synagogues. They are preaching Jesus Christ. There are many who want to hear what they have to say. But there are Jews in that area that are becoming jealous of the popularity of the following that they are gaining. But they also wanted to convince these Jews... That they should follow Jesus Christ. But in Acts the 13th chapter beginning at verse 45. It says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes. They were filled with envy. And contradicting. And blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said. It was necessary. That the word of God should be spoken to you first. First. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. What's Paul saying? Preach to you first. But you reject God, and He will reject you. And so they'll turn to the Gentiles. That's God's plan. And that's what Matthew did in his gospel. There's presentation, there's consideration, but then ultimately he shows there's this rejection. But all the while, Jesus was doing everything he could to turn those people, to help them see God's plan. So God sent his son into the world, and the very people that should have celebrated his coming ended up rejecting him. Jesus was showing them that they ultimately were bringing judgment upon they were bringing judgment upon themselves. That's not what God desired for them. But by rejecting him, they were bringing judgment upon themselves. And as a result, he will tell them, "The kingdom will be taken from you and will be given to another nation." God has extended His invitation to any and all that will accept it. I want to read this final passage to you from Galatians, the third chapter. Because this is essentially what the parable of the uh, wedding feast is saying, that God is extending it to everyone. Galatians chapter oops, Galatians chapter 3, at about verse 26. He says, For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Did you notice that? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's the garments. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's God's plan. It's up to us to decide whether or not we accept that plan and follow that plan. Matthew is showing how the Jews were rejecting God's plan. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you've never submitted to God's plan, it was Jesus Himself who said, "He that believes and is baptized shall be saved." That's His plan. And we would extend His invitation. If you're a child of God, not believing as you should, and you need to come back, want to help you in any way, as together we stand and as we sin.